Welcome to the Gay Fathers Podcast. We'll share stories of coming out, raising kids, and more. Interested in being in our podcast? Email us at podcast at gayfathers.org. The Gay Fathers Podcast is produced by the Utah Gay Fathers Association, a program of the Equal Harmony Project. Thank you to Ben's Brews Cold Brew Coffee for their sponsorship. And now, this week's episode. A quick note before you listen to episode 5 with Ross. We wanted to make an announcement that the Utah Gay Fathers Association will be walking in pride. It's become an annual tradition here in Salt Lake City, and that's coming up on June 3rd. So we would love to invite fellow gay fathers, LGBT parents, allies, friends, whoever you are, if you're supportive of us, please feel free to come join us on June 3rd and walk in the pride parade with us. If you've never participated, it's a great and an amazing experience to feel the love and acceptance that happens there. If you have any questions or you're interested in joining us, please reach out to us at podcast at gayfathers.org. And here's Ross. Welcome to the Gay Fathers podcast. This is Ross Rogers, and we are here this week with Nick Dumas. He is going to share with us his story about about himself and how he came about in his relationship. And so, Nick, go ahead and, and introduce yourself. Well, hello. Thanks for having me on. Again, my name is Nick Dumas. I currently live in Nampa, Idaho, uh, just outside of Boise, and been out for about 15 years and was married, raised in the LDS faith, and then finally uh, came out as gay and traveled along a long and bumpy road, shall we say. <laughs> okay. To yeah. get to where I am today. And I guess that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I guess before we start, you were married, you were part of the LDS faith. Mm -hmm. When did you realize that you were gay? I came to the realization that I was gay when I was 15. Okay. And of course, societal pressures being what they were. I lived in a rural community. I grew up in Ontario, Oregon, which is just on the border of Oregon and Idaho in a small community. Of course, very staunch LDS family. Didn't really talk about these sorts of things and didn't, didn't talk about sexuality. Didn't talk about sex, period. Mm -hmm. In my household, you knew it existed, but you just didn't talk about it. And so I never came out. I did everything I could to keep that part of myself quiet and hidden and went through, you know, high school, turn 19, go on a mission. This is what good Mormon boys do. Yeah. Go on a mission, return, find a nice girl, get married, have kids, do that, and everything should be fine. Exactly. And, well, it wasn't fine. <laughs> I was never comfortable. But uh, that's that's just what was expected. And the, the pressure was immense to live that perceived uh, straight and narrow life. Yes. Now, my family, of course, as I said, LDS, born and raised, my father was involved very heavily involved in local leadership he was a stake high counselor for a number of years 12 years i think so he knew just about everybody in the area my mother was also involved in a lot of stake callings so everybody knew who i was 
Okay, I'm going to break in for for a second. For for those of you who are listening who are not of the LDS faith, uh, mm. stake is a regional group of uh, wards, and wards are are built on areas of like 400 families, and then there's like so many wards in a stake, and then they have leadership that's called to be over the ward and those that are over the stake. And so that's what Nick is referring to when he's saying stake callings and his mom being in stake callings also. So go ahead and continue, Nick. Sorry to interrupt okay. that. No, perfectly fine. Uh, I forget that not a lot of people understand that, such as some of the peril of being in a predominantly LDS area. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so coming out was really not an option, or at least I didn't think it was. Of course, you know, going back, this would have been mid-90s, which, you know, you just didn't do that. It would have set me up, I think, for a lot of ridicule and uh, abuse, so to speak, not just through church, but through school as well. Yeah. So it would have been very difficult. So I kept it as quiet as possible. Went on a mission. I served in the Brasil Florianopolis mission, full two years, came home honorably. Uh, it was a great experience, one that I would never trade for anything. It helped me learn to love other people uh, as they were and learn to love other cu other cultures. And and uh, it was something that I, that I truly cherish. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been asked that before. You know, do you regret going? And it's like, absolutely not. I don't regret going at all. Just because I'm not active in the church doesn't mean I don't honor things that have happened in the past. Then got married shortly after returning. Married a girl that I had dated in high school a few times. For the most part, I figured she would be the easiest one for me to convince. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't think I could find somebody to marry me. But I needed to find somebody because that's what you do. And uh, I figured she is, she'd probably be the easiest one to convince. That sounds really bad when I, when you, when I voice it like that, but it, it really is true. Apparently I convinced her in the right direction. She said yes when I asked her. And then we, uh, we got married in the temple and we were married for about five and a half years before we finally split. Okay. So... About five years into the marriage, we expect our first child. We have a daughter okay. and great kid. She's now 15, uh, almost 16. And I finally came to a point where I needed to come out. Yeah. The depression was not good. Of course, not that depression is ever good. Uh, yeah. I found myself in a fairly constant state of depression. I could never be happy didn't matter how good things were. Uh, and, uh, and the realization was that a lot of it stemmed from me not being honest with who I was. Okay. And your wife I, at the time knew nothing. Knew nothing. Okay. No. Hence why that. you were getting depressed because you were carrying all of this on your back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. When our uh, daughter was about six months old, I had finally made the decision that it was time to come out. I just, it was time to be honest with who I was. Mm -hmm. And so I finally made that decision. Do you, do you think it was your, you know, having a child that brought you up to that, that just kind of said, okay, this is, 
I got to do this now? Or was there times before that you, you know, decided I'm going to do this and then just the pressures and the stress caused you so you didn't come out? Um, I think that was certainly a, a contributing factor. A lot of it was how could I raise a child to be honest and true to herself if I'm not being honest and true about myself? Okay, good point. Yeah, that was a very difficult position for me to be in. And so, yeah, I hadn't decided to come out any time before that. I was going to keep this quiet as till the day I died, as far as I was concerned. Uh-huh. But it just got to a point where I, for my own mental health, I, I had to do this. Yeah. And so I finally came out to to my wife. Um, she was the first one I came out to. And I, I came out and asked for a separation. I I just knew that there was no way she was going to want to stay with me. Yeah. And I asked for a separation and I came out. And did she, did she want to be, you know, did she accept that or did she, you know, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, at first, you know, she kind of uh, took a moment to absorb the news and was glad that I had told her. Okay. She had suspected for a while. Oh, okay. But of course I had never said anything. Yeah. She pretty much said, you know, maybe we can work through this. Mm-hmm. So let's not separate right now. Uh, I said, okay, we decided to stay together. You know, as far as we were concerned, everybody was going to have the impression that, Hey, we have, we're just a perfect couple. Yeah. You uh, think we were going to, Keep that going. Yeah. You think you said that, you know, you wanted to just kind of separate and not go. And and when you finally said that you wanted to get the divorce, she, you said that she, she suspected that. Do you, mm-hmm. do you think that, you know, was it like, like in my situation, my wife was at the time she wanted sex all the time. And I also wanted sex, but not with her. I wanted, you know, with <laughs> right. man. And so <laughs> do you think, was it this very a similar situation where, you know, you didn't want to have sex with her because it wasn't the right person you wanted to have sex with? Was that was what she was, that was part of or? it? I think, I think that was part of it. Okay. You know, uh, it all of a sudden answered a bunch of questions for her. Yeah. Going, oh, this is why you have a hard time. Yeah. Having sex with me. It, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to. It's just you, you don't have the right equipment. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and having to think of a man to, to finish the act. Well, gosh, that's that's difficult, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, and and so all of a sudden, a whole lot of an- a whole lot of questions got answered for her. Yeah. And at first, she she was trying to be very, very supportive. Uh-huh. And she understood that. She says, look, I get it. She says, oh, my gosh, you must just feel this huge burden off of you. And I'll be honest, the, the weight that came off my shoulders was immense. I was almost giddy with the idea that I have now vocalized the fact that I am gay and I don't have to hide this anymore. Yeah, there's no going back in the closet now. Right. I would be out to no one else, as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. And so she tried to be very supportive at first. Yeah. 
we had discussed possibly separating and we thought well maybe eventually and so it was probably uh, maybe oh i don't remember the timeline it's been too long maybe a week or so afterwards i think we were headed towards we're going to separate the separation thing is going to happen yeah and so i called i called my parents you know, and I, I was on the phone with them and, and told them we were going to be separating, uh, but did not give reasons why. Oh, and, okay. and of course, you know, my, my parents were like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Why are you all of a sudden? And it's like, well, you know, we've had marital problems in the past and they've just accumulated and we just can't do this anymore. It's pretty much how I played it off to my parents. And then I, uh, I called and I spoke to my sister, told her what was going on. And then I did in that phone call, I came out to my sister. So my sister is now the second person I've come out to. And she goes, Oh, okay. She says, I suppose you're not going to tell mom and dad. I said, no, (laughs) (laughs) heavens. No, I'm not going to tell mom and dad. Are you nuts? Yeah. And she goes, well, all right. Within minutes, my, my mother knows when I talk to my sister, like, telepathically. I'm not sure how she does it, but <laughs> was on the phone to my sister trying to pump her for information. What's going on? Because she knows my sister and I talk about stuff that I we will never talk to mom and dad about. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> so my mother knew something else was going on. Yeah. My sister finally, after a few days, she called me up and she says, look, she says, you have to tell mom and dad because if you don't, I will. I can't keep this quiet. She says, I'm, I can't do this for you yeah and i'm like i'm like oh so you're threatening to out me to to our to my parents okay great thanks (laughs) so i did i did call up my parents finally and i played it off like it was this big problem that i had been fighting all this time and you know because you know being gay is wrong it's a temptation that's satan's work Mm -hmm. and so i i really played it off of oh my gosh, this has plagued me for so long and it's just difficult. And my mom finally, uh, there was a small pause in the conversation. My mom goes, are you telling me you're gay? I said, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm gay. She goes, oh, well, okay then. (laughs) That that was pretty much it. Wow. Uh, My parents were not accepting. They, They were not accepting of the fact that I was gay. In fact, it really strained our relation. Mm-hmm. In some ways, even after all these years, my mother still, I, I'm sure, still prays for my soul um, <laughs> that maybe I'll change. Yeah. But uh, I made it very clear that that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I trained the relationship with my dad for quite a while. He just looked at me and he, I'll never forget, he looked at me and he says, well, I don't believe that you are. And I said, well, you're welcome to not believe it, but I am. And I said, I'm not asking for acceptance. I'm asking for tolerance. Yes. And he says, well, I don't know if I can give both. He says, give me some time. I said, okay. And we just really didn't talk about it. Yeah. A few years down the road, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. A few years down the road, my dad and I, we finally found a way to to mend our relationship. As I said, the relation was strained. I really didn't like it. I went to go visit him and my mom one day, and I was out in his workshop, and I was just he and I. And I, he said, he looked at me and he says, you know, he says, this whole thing about you being gay. I said, okay. And he says, I still don't believe, still don't believe that you are. He says, but you're an adult. You're going to live your life the way you're going to live your life. And I can't do anything about it. 
and that's okay. He says, but here is the one thing that I will never deny. I said, what's that? And he says, you are my son, and I will always love you no matter what. And it was from that point on, we started to rebuild our relationship. That's awesome. And, you know, he became very, he became a lot more open, more accepting at this point. I'm with my partner who, uh, my, I've been with my partner now for 14 years mm-hmm. and became much more accepting of him. We repaired our relationship good, quite, quite well. And so for the last few years of his life, my dad passed away in 2009. So for the last few years of his life, we really had a wonderful, wonderful relationship. So for those who might be listening that have strained relations with family members, it is possible to repair. It is possible to fix. Sometimes you just have to accept things as they are. Yeah. And there, you know, my mother has softened to the idea that I am gay. She is still not very accepting, but you know, she treats my partner very well. She knows we're a package deal. Mm-hmm. And she's never told him, well, he can't come visit. In fact, there were a few times when I went to go see her without him. She asked me where he was. Well, where, where's where's Kevin? Why didn't he come? And then I'd give whatever uh, reason he couldn't be there. And, oh, well, that's too bad. Well, maybe he'll come see us next time. Yeah. <laughs> so she has, she has come around. She still has a little ways to go, yeah. I think. But uh, she has come around and is uh, more accepting. My sister is fairly accepting, even though she maintains conservative ideals. She's uh, she's a open and accepting. Uh, for a long time, she wasn't going to accept my partner as a member of the family. But once my when my dad passed away, my partner stepped up and really helped our family out with some things that we needed help with. And that showed her that, hey, maybe this guy isn't so bad. Yeah. So she told him, she says, well, I don't care. He's he's family now. That's good. So the relations have with immediate family have repaired. Meanwhile, let's rewind. Okay. <laughs> and let's talk about what happened after coming out to my wife. Yeah, what happened? Uh, because the... that's a really different road. So having come out to my wife, we, we decided we would go see our bishop. You know, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Go go confess to the bishop. He was, he attempted to be understanding. I don't think he really was, but he wanted to help us get through it or whatever we were going to do. In the meantime, we sought counseling, which was kind of a big flop. Yeah. Just because the counselor wanted to focus on, well, let's talk about you. He'd point at me. He says, well, let's talk about you and how your and your problems. Uh-huh. And I thought, wait a minute. As far as I'm concerned, I don't have a problem here. I've just decided to be honest yeah. with who I am. I don't have a problem. And so it became very rather combative. I ceased the counselor appointments just because he tried to do some reparative stuff, and it just was a big failure. It usually is. Yeah, you know, basically it was, well, you know, and he was LDS as well. That didn't help. Mm-hmm. You know, well, your your LDS upbringing, uh, this goes against that, and this is why it's bad. And I thought, well, okay, so I'm I'm dealing with some depression. I finally come out. I'm honest about who I am. All of a sudden, I don't have this horrible depression that I had because I'm not carrying this burden anymore. Yeah. So anyway... 
in the meantime, uh, things got to be a little too much for my wife, and she attempted to harm herself. She attempted suicide. Okay. It was. It did not work, of course. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. At the time, I was working. I let me throw this wrench in there. I was working for the LDS Church. Oh. At the time, so that complicates things a little bit. Yes, it uh, does. But I was I was working ten hour days, and I, you know, my commute was an hour. Uh, I lived in Layton at the time, working in and then working in Salt Lake, and you know, so I'm gone you know, 13, 14 hours a day. And I was worried my wife would do something to harm herself and succeed. Yeah. And then my daughter, my six month old daughter would have to sit with the body. Yeah. Until I arrived home. Mm -hmm. And that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Would anybody. So after that occurred, I told her she's from Oregon as well. In a town called Vale, about 20 minutes outside of Ontario. Her family still lived up there. I told her, let's get you up to Oregon. You know, get out of town for a little while. Uh-huh. She agreed reluctantly. I took her up to up to Oregon. Her family, of course, knowing what was going on. I was not looked upon favorably, of course, which I expected. Yeah. But at least I knew, well, okay. You're here if you do something stupid, and that's those were the words I used to her. Yeah. I said, if you do something stupid, your family will be here and my daughter will be cared for. Exactly. So I went home. I went back to Utah. week later, I go back. I, I get her. I bring her back down. And she tried again Ooh. after we got back. And, of course, she's, she wasn't very committed to it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can laugh about this now, but at the time, I really couldn't. Yes. So it sounds terrible that I'm laughing about this. She wasn't, she, she just wasn't committed to making it happen, you know, and completing the mm-hmm. suicide because it was usually, okay, well, we go to, I took her to the hospital to get the proper treatment she needed. Fine. Mental health support in Davis County at the time. This was, this would have been, uh, 2002. Mental health support in Davis County in Utah stunk. In fact, I'm pretty sure it still yeah. does. I would hope not, but it, it was just really bad. It, it just didn't, you know, we couldn't get her the support she needed. And of course, I'm carrying this around. I'm also trying to make things right in the eyes of my bishop and in my family. I'm trying to make it, you know, yes, I'm gay, but oh, I'm working on it. I'm trying to fix myself. When in truth, I didn't want to. I just wasn't going to. So, you were just saying what they yeah, wanted exactly. to hear. And I finally had this epiphany of, okay, I'm not making me happy. I'm not working on me. So wife tries to hurt herself again. And I went, okay, this is stupid. You're mov- You're going back to Oregon. So I shipped her back up to Oregon along with my daughter because I still had to work. I knew that, you know, at least my daughter would be cared for if she was successful in whatever she was trying to do. I think now looking back on it, I think it was just a cry for attention. I don't think she was, well, I knew coming out would hurt her. I yeah. know it would, but I didn't intend for her to try and take her life. That was the last thing I yeah. wanted. You know, the mother of yeah, my no, child. Yeah. I wouldn't want that. And so I shipped her back up to Oregon to live by her family. And in this time, I finally come to the realization that, 
hey, you know what? She's up there indefinite period of time. Why don't I need to start being honest to who I am? Because I have that epiphany uh-huh. of I'm trying to make everybody else happy, but I'm not making me happy. And so I didn't go to church for a little while. Yeah, I still work for the for the church. I worked Monday through Thursday. It was a sweet shift. And I had the weekends available, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And on Friday, you could find me in Salt Lake at the... On Friday, it was the trap door. On Saturday, it was Club Naked. And on Sunday, I was back at the trap because that was Latino night. And I was the only gringo in the place. So I was popular. <laughs> <laughs> So I was leading this double life, knowing yeah. if anybody at the church knew I was doing this, oh, I w- my goose would be cooked. So, of course, wife is separated. She's mad. She's angry. She calls our bishop, tells him, well, he's doing all of these horrible things. And, and uh, so knowing that I was still working for the church, he called my boss. Called, oh called HR and I got called into the HR office and she says, well, it's come to our attention that you're engaging in activities that are unbecoming of a recommend holder. And of course, I'm trying to save face. And, and uh-huh. I just looked at her and I said, look, I'm going through a divorce right now. And I said, my ex-wife will say anything. She's all, well, you haven't been to church in the last few weeks, according to your bishop. And and kind of listed off some of the things the bishop had told her. And I said, well, yeah. I said, have you ever thought that maybe I'm going to a different ward? <laughs> you know, just kind of pointing out the fact I know I haven't been going to church. It's because I don't want to. And I was having that yeah. whole spiritual crisis of my own. And so she goes, well, just call your bishop and get it sorted out. She says, just do that. And she says, we'll be fine. Okay, fine. I'll call my bishop. So I called the bishop, made an appointment, went to go visit. Mm-hmm. I go in, I sit down, and I kind of regale him with what has happened. He knew some of it. He didn't know the full extent of what had happened. But I could tell he was getting, I think he, I, I want to say, maybe angry? Maybe that's the wrong word. You're frustrated. But <laughs> uh, at one point, he looks at me and says, Brother Duma, there is no room in Christ Church for people like you. Hmm. And I, I don't. At that point, you, when you were talking to your bishop, you came out. To oh him. yeah, I had already been out. He knew, okay. and I don't fault him for doing this. I think it was lack of knowing what to do, how to support somebody. Okay. I think that's where this came from. And okay. you know, he just said, "There's, there's no room in Christ Church for people like you." I said, "Oh really?" And I stood up, I walked out, and I didn't go back. I was done. Yeah. I wrote it off. I. Then quit my job with absolutely no prospect for another. Bounced around for jobs for a while. I had really, the job market was not good in the area at the time. I had a really mm-hmm. hard time finding work. Got to a point where a few months gone by, I can't pay bills. I can't pay rent. Landladies already come knocking on the door saying, where's the rent? I don't have it. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not working. She says, well, next time I come knock on your door, it's going to be with the sheriff's deputy and we're going to evict you. Okay. So I had to very quickly get things together and figure out what I was going to do. I fell into a very deep depression because I just didn't know what to do. I went to bed at one point and I didn't get out of bed for nearly five days. Oh, wow. Because at that point I could stay in bed, die. No one would know. No one would miss me, you know? Yeah, you know, I didn't do anything to actively harm myself, but but uh, I pretty much figured if I could just stay in bed and 
not go anywhere, you know, and not do anything to sustain life, I would just slip away, which was, of course, destructive behavior on, on my part. But I didn't know what to do. I, it was, I was in a mode of despair. At one point, my mother called me just to check in and see how I was doing. And I was pretty vague in any, and any questions she asked. I was very vague. And, and I told her, what well, you know, well, you know, I don't, have any prospects for a job i am facing eviction i i don't know what to do you know my parents weren't in a position to help me financially yeah but in that conversation i'm not sure what transpired i didn't say anything to her directly but she could hear something in my voice and it made her worry yeah so she got off the phone with me and immediately called my best friend and yeah. told him you need to call him right now. I'm afraid he's going to hurt himself. And so within a few minutes, my best friend is on the phone. Yeah. And he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just laying in bed. I haven't moved in several days. Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I was yeah. really defensive <laughs> at that point. And it's all like, oh, my mother put you up to this. Yeah. And he said, he says, yeah, your mom called me. And I said, okay. And he says, she's worried you're going to hurt yourself. I said, well, no, I'm not. That's silly. So you can go back mm -hmm. to her and tell her I'm not going to do anything stupid. And yeah. he goes, uh, I'm not so convinced. He says, what do you need to do? And I said, well, I said, I need a plan. I said, I don't know what the plan is. And he says, okay, so get out of bed and make a plan. <laughs> like it's supposed to be really super easy yeah. and the light went on and I went you're right I just need to get out of bed and make a plan and so that's what got me out of bed oh wow I got out of bed showered had a good meal went into my living room sat down and said okay what do I need to do I said I need yeah. I need to move I need to get out of here so the option was I have to go back to Oregon that's where my okay. parents were there was a friend of mine that I knew she had a large home large house and I knew if I called her up, we had become fairly good friends. I had met her like a year before and we had become fairly close. I knew if I called her, I could probably have a place to live that wasn't with my parents. That was the last thing I wanted. Yeah. Because uh, that exactly. relationship was still really strained. Yeah. Well, and, and, and who wants to go live back with exactly. her Exactly. Oh my gosh. Especially, and, <laughs> especially in the condition that yeah. you are and knowing that they're not accepting of you right now. Right on the money. You know, they right love you. Right on the money. You know, they, they love you as a person and as, as their son, but they don't want you living in no. their house. They don't want a gay not son living in the household. Absolutely so, not. Yeah. And so I called up my called up my friend and I said, Is your does your offer still stand? And she says, I've got a room for you no matter when. Come on up. Okay. Give me a few days to get a few things together and I'll get things figured out. Then, well, I needed a job. I needed work. So I called my old employer from when I was there before. I uh -huh. loved him really super good terms. And I loved working for him. So I called him up, said, I'm moving back to the area. Do you have a job for me? And he says, absolutely, I have a job for you. He says, I don't know what it'll be, but he says, I will have a job for you. He says, you just get up here and come in on Monday. And he says, we'll figure the rest out. So with two phone calls, I had a place to live and a job to go to. A starting of a new start life. Start a new life. Yeah. I went, okay, here we go. So I... A plan. 
packed as much as I could. I have an uncle in Midvale, called him up, mm-hmm. said, I just need a place to stay for a few days. I'm in the process of moving. You know, I, I just need a few days to stay and my parents will come down. And, and they did. They came down to help me. My best friend came down. He took a carload of stuff. So between all of us, we were able to get stuff moved. And so I left and started a new life. Wow. And so that's how we get there. In the meantime, my wife becomes my ex-wife. We divorce, which was tumultuous. Of course, divorce is never pretty, no matter how Mm -hmm. nice you're trying to be about it. (laughs) Well, we we tried to be as amicable as possible, but it it was very difficult. I had names for her. She had names for me. It was not pretty, but I came to the realization. I pointed this out to her. I said, look, I don't like you. You don't like me. But whatever we decide, we have to decide for the good of our daughter. Mm -hmm. And I said, we have to put aside whatever we feel for each other for her. Yeah. And so once we did that, things got a lot easier. She kept, she stopped trying to fight me on a lot of petty issues. And so we were able to work out visitation schedule, support, everything, you know, and, and, and it worked out fairly well and it, it's still still working out well today we've had enough time enough time has elapsed i've dealt with my crap she's dealt with hers and hey we're pretty good friends now and we're we're far better friends than we ever were spouses that's funny uh, yeah exactly <laughs> how that works i mean same thing with mine you know we we went through the divorce and and now after the time that she needed to deal with her emotions we are actually, we communicate so much better now. She wants to be more friends than I want mm-hmm. to be. But, and she's finally accepted that I'm not ever going to be there. I don't want to be your best friend. I just, we need to discuss things as parents of our kids. And that's yeah. all we have. But we can actually talk and not fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, we can talk about what uh, what needs that our our daughter has and we can get decisions made you know uh it it really does work out pretty well she's told me on a number of occasions she says you know you're the most awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) ex-husband i said well i i said hopefully i'm your only (laughs) ex-husband yeah she kind of let you wish the best uh, she has since. Yeah, you wish the best. Yeah, I, she has since uh, remarried. Uh, she remarried in 2009. It was just just before my dad passed away. In fact, she remarried and has had two more children. Oh, okay. You know, and and we get along fine. Her, her husband. That's a different story. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't okay. quite get me, but that's okay. Yeah. I don't need to have him get me. <laughs> No, don't don't need to. So now, um, one thing that you kind of left out is your yeah. daughter. How was your daughter through all of this? I mean, obviously, when she was born, it, it was six months old when you guys, right. when you said you wanted to separate. And so she's too young to understand mm-hmm. all of this. So as she's growing up, she's growing up already knowing that you guys are separated, never knowing that right. you guys were married. And so how did she take when she w- you know, finally was realized that you were gay? She's, she took it very well. you know. Or was that ever it a problem? Really, it did, was it just 
she just grew up accepting it because that's all she knew. I think she grew up accepting it because it was all she knew. I've, I've been with my partner now for 14 years. She's uh-huh. almost 16. So he's uh-huh. been there for a big, for a majority of her life too. So, so how, how old was she when you met your partner? Oh, two. Okay. So she, you know, kind of had to get to know right. him because at two, at two, you kind of can know who is your mm-hmm. mom and dad and who's family and who's oh, not. Yeah. So she had to get acquainted right. with him. And then because he was always around, he just became right. family uh-huh. as she grew up. Okay. So there, there was really never any issue. No, no, there really uh, wasn't, which, which was good. Good. Of course, her mom's like, you know, I leave it to you to explain this to her. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you know, please let me be the one to explain. Yeah, awesome. I, of course, have not told her about some, the dark paths that her mom and I went through. You know, she, she doesn't need she's to know. She's 16. She doesn't, she doesn't need to know that. And, and maybe never, it might never come out, but not at least not until she's yeah, an adult. That. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's if she asks. You exactly. Know. You know, she might she might come and say, hey, Dad, I've been married now for two years. What happened with you and Mom? And you know, I will with gladly her and her husband her. Or, or her and her spouse. You know, you never yeah, know what's going to happen. But that, that point may arise. And so well, that that's really good. Since she's 16 now, has she ever come to you with a difficulty of explaining that I have two, I, I have multiple dads? No. You know, I have my dad, I have my, my, I have my stepdad, stepdad, and I, and have, I have my real dad, and I got another stepdad. Yeah. That's complicated. <laughs> but I, I, I tell her, know, I said, you're the luckiest. She's never come to you I, and I said, said, you're the luckiest girl in the world. You have three dads. Who else yeah, has exactly. three dads? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I just was, I was just curious if she's ever had any school activities, friends activities where they've offended her or hurt her feelings because she has a gay If that's happened, I'm not aware. And she's just dealt with it on her own and and never told you. You know, I I do know, I I, I do know one of her, yeah, as far as somebody coming and actually attacking her with that, that's never happened. I think... She's gotten questions about it, mm-hmm. you know, because there's been some times we've we've been out and somebody wants asks her, you know, oh, is this your dad? Yeah. Oh, and who is this? And they point to my partner and she's not quite she just wasn't quite sure what to say. But, well, yeah. he's not my dad, but he's with my dad, Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, how do, how I, do say I say this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it was just teaching her that, hey, you know, he is he is my partner, and you can say you can say that's dad's partner, and I said that's perfectly fine, and I said people will be okay with that, and um, yeah. and so she once I explained that to her, and she's like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and she understood, and so now if it comes up and, and we're out together, she's like, oh yeah, this is my dad, this is his partner, and she gets it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So now I guess the story has been told about you. You've talked about your mm-hmm. your wife, and your ex-wife, your child, how long you've been with your partner. How did you meet your partner? <laughs> I met him online. <laughs> okay. I met him at the time. Gay.com is where you met your guys. Uh-huh. Either to date or to hook up. 
Uh-huh. And that's where I met him. Met him online. He actually initiated the conversation with me because he saw okay. on my profile that I spoke Portuguese. And he goes, okay. oh, hey, by the way, I've been to Brazil. I use, He says, I was married to a Brazilian woman. And that's oh. what spurred the conversation. And we got to know each other online, uh, chatting a little bit. And then uh, we met in Boise. Uh, he had just moved to Boise. I had also just moved to Boise for a new job. And uh, we went on a date. And uh, as they say, the rest was history. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. And that was back then when you yeah. met him. Because, I mean, that's just, you, you don't always just meet people, you know, going to the bar <laughs> or something. You, exactly. You know, I, I, my, uh, par- my partner and I met you know, on a gay dating Like, so, like I yeah, said, that's how we, uh, you know, I I had a schedule in, when I was down in the Salt Lake area. <laughs> Friday, uh, Saturday, and Sunday, you could figure out where to find me. <laughs> But it wasn't just because I was, I, I really wasn't meeting a lot of guys at the clubs. I was just going out and having a good time. Yeah. I yeah. met a few. It was nice. Yeah, I, I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and in the end, it all worked out yes. the way it was supposed to. So I guess about now, um, we've been on for a little bit talking about you. And we usually try to end our podcast with a section that we call the Fabulous oh, Five. wonderful. And we ask, we ask everyone the, the exact same questions, and, and you can answer these as, you know, as honest as you, okay. you can, you know. So the first question is, what is the best part about being gay? Oh, there's so much that's good. It's not so much trying to consider yourself exclusive from other people, but it's giving your, it gives me an identity that I relate to. Yes. And knowing that I am out and open about who I am, I want people to feel the same towards me. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel open. And, mm-hmm. and I just want them, I want them to know that they're loved. That, to me, is the best part about being gay, is finding this identity that allows me to be free and to be who I am. And I hope other people will be that way as well. Awesome. Okay. Question two. How is your relationship with your family different now? Okay. Well, we talked about this a little bit. It was strained Uh at the beginning. Very strained. Oh, my gosh. But over time... It has improved, you know, right before the few years before my dad passed away, our relationship improved immensely. And it was just because we had that one conversation where dad identified, he's a, you're my son. I will love you no matter what it, I don't care, you know? And it was with those words. I, and I, of course, understood dad, I love you too. That would never change for a long time. My dad thought maybe he didn't teach me something. He thought maybe oh, he failed yeah. as a dad, and I that gave me the opportunity to tell him, no, you didn't. You did not fail as a father. I, mm-hmm. you know, you helped me become the man I am today, and I am proud of that. I am proud of who I am. And so that was the turning point in our relationship, was that conversation. Mom has gotten better or as the years have gone on. Like I said, I think she still secretly prays for my soul, but that's okay. <laughs> She's welcome to do that. <laughs> my relationship yeah, with my yeah. sister uh, never really got strained. It's always been good, and she's she's been accepting to a degree. She's far more tolerant and accepting than she was 
you know, when I first came out. So uh, the family relationships ha have gotten immensely better. Good. All right. So question three, it says, do you wish you could have handled any part of your coming out oh, process God, yes. differently? <laughs> I say that with such certainty. <laughs> I wish I'd done it sooner. However, yes. if I did, I wouldn't have a wonderful daughter. So part mm -hmm. of me kind of says, no. No, I did it right. But part of me goes, hmm, gosh, yeah. I wish I would have come out a lot sooner. You know, it, gosh, what a difference it would have been if I could have felt comfortable enough coming out when I was 15. It just, it would have been so much better. Yeah. But then again, I wouldn't have lived the experience that I have. So that's hard to say. Would I have handled it differently? Oh, probably. Would I like to have? Maybe. <laughs> like I said, yeah. the experience has made me who I am. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it's like. Well, you know, there's there's parts of it that I would love to have changed, but really those experiences is what made me who I am. So no, there's nothing I would want to change. Yeah, I want it just the way that it happened because that's exactly, exactly where I am at now. So, all right, this next question is okay, um, a little different. Okay, and so uh, <laughs> take this how you will. But the question is, what do you now know? to be true, whether that's faith oh. or belief in yourself, your resolve, what, what do you know now to be true? The biggest thing I know now to be true is God doesn't make mistakes. He has made Amen. you exactly as you are to be, whether it is straight, gay, bi, trans, it doesn't matter. You are loved. Yeah. There are people who love you. And although your family might not, because I realize some people, you know, family might disown them. Mm -hmm. There are other people who love you and will make you part of their family. This was the biggest saving grace to myself was coming to that realization. Because for a long time, I felt like I was a screw up. I was a mess. I wasn't worthy of love. I wasn't worthy of being loved. Um, but it was coming to yeah. the realization that I am loved. I am loved by a divine being. However, we define that. I define that as God the Father. God doesn't make mistakes. And you are who you are. And you are made to be who you are made to be. So go spread that love. And let other people know that well said. everybody's worthy of love and everybody yep. well everybody said. is worthy of belonging. Wonderful. That's a, that's that's the great one, that's the biggest thing that I know that. to be true. Awesome. Okay, last question is other than the obvious kids, okay. family, partner, what things in your life bring you the most oh. joy? Oh, Bring me the most joy. Well, I love being out on a golf course on a nice sunshiny day, uh, which I did this afternoon and <laughs> it was wonderful. But yeah. other than that, uh, I am, I am a musician by training. I work for Opera Idaho uh -huh. as their artistic administrator, and I absolutely love bringing beautiful music to uh, the masses, whether it is me performing yeah. or I am singing, you know, whether I'm singing with a group or, or I'm just part of a production, nothing makes me happier than bringing beautiful music to people. And it's, it's a wonderful joy that I absolutely love. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, because music yes. is so powerful. And so, so that is, that is just awesome. I love the whole idea. Oh, Awesome. Well, I kind of lied when I said that was the last question because 
We do have oh. one more question that we don't <laughs> include as the fabulous five. And that is you have just shared your wonderful story with us and the world so that they can hopefully someone will hear this and and will be inspired and will help them be true to themselves. And with that being said, the final question is if we have someone listen to, listen to this podcast that would like to reach out and have a conversation with you personally, would that be something that you would welcome or would you absolutely uh, not? Absolutely. I would cover, uh, welcome that. All right. So great. So you've, you've heard that, uh, right from, from Nick himself. If you are touched by this story and you feel like you need to, or would like to have a, a personal conversation with Nick, you can just reach out to us at podcast at gayfathers.com, um, right there on the website or on the podcast. And, uh, we will then reach out to Nick and let him know that someone is interested and we'll exchange contact information that way so that you guys can connect. And Nick, I appreciate having this conversation with you. It's been wonderful. And for the audience folks, what you didn't realize is this is our first recording of a conversation of, of a story where we're not in the same place. So we, we're doing this via FaceTime or Skype over online and recording this. And so this is a first for us in, in the podcast to do this. And so I appreciate Nick being willing to work with me because this is the second <laughs> attempt at this podcast with Nick because the first time failed horribly. We were using some software that just did not work. And we sat Nick and I talking for probably 40 yeah. minutes after we did the recording and <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> and so we had to reschedule this and we, I, you know, purposely we worked with, talked with Nick and said, yeah, we're just going to record it again and act like we haven't talked at all. And so that it wouldn't, so the audience wouldn't know that, you know, I'm asking questions. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. You just told me this, you know, so hopefully that came across in the story. I, I, think, I think so that too. we did a pretty good job of just sharing the story the, like the first time. And so with that being said, my pleasure. thank you, Nick. And one day I hope in the future that I and my partner might have the opportunity I'll, to meet you. I'll uh, reach and, out and your if partner. I, oh, next time I get down to the Salt Lake area. Would love that. And, and you have a wonderful night and thank you to the world that's listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you to our guests and our hosts who have given their time to make the gay fathers podcast happen. Thank you to bensound.com for our intro music. Check out all their cool sound options at bensound.com. Also, thank you to Ben's brews, cold brew coffee for sponsoring our podcast. Find them at bensbrews.com. Want to be a guest on our show or have some questions? Email us at podcast at gayfathers.org. You can also find us at gayfathers.org. If you like what you hear, give us a good review at iTunes. Thank you for listening.